trans representation on and off the stage, existence as activism, and cutting through performative cisgendered allyship. I'm Maggie. And I'm Jasmine. And you're listening to Culture Club. This is our monthly interview with a person we find interesting and that we think you will too. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and the Gadigal people are the custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast episode. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Jana Anderson is one of Australia's most exciting emerging actresses. She's a recent graduate from NIDA and has just starred as the protagonist of Overflow, a powerful one-woman play about a trans woman in a club bathroom. Today, we're joined by the Sydney-based actress. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janet. We're so happy to have you on Culture Club. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We want to get right into it and I'd love for you to tell us about your love of theatre and where that came from. Yeah, well... I was lucky enough to go to um, Newtown, which is like a performing arts school here in Gadigal. Um, and I feel like I started, I actually started my like performing life as a singer um, and then fell more into like theater um, and then kind of just like, it was something that I, I really enjoyed and I feel like I shone. And so then, yeah, it kind of just naturally fell more into that and then obviously I went to um NIDA for uni and did that whole thing so um yeah I feel like I've kind of always been like a creative kid though like when I was little I was a performer a little performer of course um and was also very lucky when I was little to grow up in the states a little bit and so got like the whole like New York Broadway show experience when I was like four years old and it was kind of done from there I was like that's what I want to do you know (laughs) that's so cool that you got to grow up in New York how many years were you there for oh only a little bit I was there for like like four years but it was that like formative age you know when you're like four to eight when it's like that's kind of that's where I picture my like little growing up childhood moment um so yeah such a privilege amazing and we just well you've just finished the Melbourne run of Overflow the one woman show that you star in we saw it and we loved it um, but can you please tell our listeners a bit more about the show? Sure. Um, so Overflow came into my life when I was still in third year at drama school. Um, and my director, Dino, we had met on like another script reading project before that. Um, and they sent me the play when when we were in lockdown, um, being like, I just read this incredible play. You need to read this incredible play. Um, and read it, immediately bawled my eyes out because I had mm-hmm. never read anything so incredible um and that was just like so honest and covered so much ground um and then yeah got the opportunity to audition for it in third year um and the play is written by Travis Alabanza um who's a non-binary writer actor performer from the UK and it's kind of it's a 60 minute monologue from the perspective of this trans girl, Rosie, who has been cornered into a public bathroom by some kind of unseen aggressors um, who we later learn are men. Um, And she, yeah, is kind of deciding what to do and, and whether or not to like 
kind of fall back into her friendship ally with this cis girl, Charlotte, who she grew up with, who doesn't really see her for who she is, um, or, you know, falling back into community with her other bestie, Z. And it's kind of just this long journey that you go on her with, like, this mounting pressure of the men from outside who keep, like, banging on the damn door. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, she then, spoiler alert, um, well, I guess the show's over now, but um, she then decides to flood the bathroom and that's why the show I guess is called overflow because she just like completely wreaks havoc and becomes this like feral trans monster which I love and was so fun to do every night um and yeah and just like gets to be so honest and so brutal with everything that she is feeling um which is such a rarity for kind of any female character let alone a trans female character to be able to just like get ugly and and like really there's a as a moment in the show um, that we call like the men monologue which is um, like Rosie just has like two minutes of of straight like um, I guess vitriol for like the mm-hmm. cis women in her life who have just abandoned their trans sisters um, and aren't showing up when they need to be. Um, and yeah, I love just letting rip <laughs> and kind of making eye contact with all the cis women in the audience. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the show is um, a very impactful one. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible because I think um, like I've been in that particular room at um, you know the art center before, but I've never seen the stage kind of set up in this way. And we get kind of like a corner of the pub, like the bathroom, and then I was like, oh, why is there so much space between us <laughs> in the <laughs> audience and you? And then as soon as the water starts, I'm like, oh, that is why. Yeah, there's a splash zone for sure. Splash zone, I yeah. Heard. I heard, um, like, in the – because they did it in the UK, I think, in – so this play was written in 2020, and I think maybe they did it in 2021 when there was, like, a lockdown happening. Um, And someone I met had seen the UK production and said that the people in the front row were, like, absolutely getting wet. Yeah. (laughs) um, Which is cute as well. Like, you come to the show, you're going to get wet. But um, it is 4D experience. But, um, yeah, we – we make sure that there's a bit, there's like padding between me because mm. I, I promise you, like I'm going crazy in that bathroom. I am, I'm just letting loose. I'm throwing shit. I'm, I'm getting as much of the water out of the sink as mm. I possibly can. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's there's, there's precautions in place. Yeah, <laughs> another incredible thing about this particular production in Australia is that Overflow marks the first time like an all trans and gender diverse team have come together for a mainstream Australian theatre production. Um, Even Travis Alabanza, who you mentioned before, was like they'd never been part of something like that in theatre at the time of them being interviewed. Um, What do you make of this milestone? Yeah, I mean... it's a little hard to sit with in like the full gravity of it I think uh like often you know doing the show you just you put everything into it and you're so busy doing it um but uh something that's really nice that we've able to do been able to do on tour is that we've been put up in like an Airbnb altogether me and the crew and my director and stuff and so we have these nice moments often where we're just chatting and kind of holding space for each other of like just how important it is that we're all there together um and I think like when I first when I first came onto the project in 2022 um 
and learned that it would be an entirely trans and gender diverse cast, creative crew, everything like from the costume designer, Jamaica Moana, to like our vocal coach, Adi, to like, like every single person in this show has brought the whole of themselves and their trans identity to the work. And that's why the work is, I mean, as phenomenal as it is. Um, and so I think the fact, the fact that we're all like a trans and gender diverse crew just like means the world to me because I think the the work would not be as strong as it is, or I guess as honest as it is, um, or reflective of like so many different trans experiences, not just Rosie's. So like, I, I would say like, like the fabric of the work is made of the people who, um, yeah, got to be part of it. And so like, I think it's, I, in my experiences outside of Overflow in, in other projects that I've been able to be a part of, I've never got to work with trans people really, or trans mm. creatives, not on the, like on the kind of whole way that we are with Overflow. Um, and so I think like it's, I am a little bit like, I don't know, trepidatious to go back to anything else because I, I have like, I've seen the promised land and yeah. it's so good <laughs> like being able to just like, like, I don't think I would be able to do the work that I did or even just in the rehearsal room to be able to be as vulnerable as I could be without the room reflecting me and reflecting my experience, you know? Mm. Um, and that was like a stipulation from Dino from day one that it was going to be an entire trans and gender diverse crew and cast and, um, and yeah like we pulled it up somehow <laughs> yeah that's so amazing it shows like the importance of diversity in these spaces and how it just will only ever enhance something yeah yeah I think like I mean it sounds obvious but apparently it is still like groundbreaking the fact that if you you know like nothing about us without us people say like you can't be making work that is I guess this important representation wise for trans femmes and trans women without like the controls in place. It's, it's almost just like this, this extra level of protection that you put into, into every step of the process, you know? Um, and, and yeah, like it, it just is, the work is so much better for it. Going back to Overflow, and we mentioned earlier it's a one-woman show, I personally was wondering how long did that take you to rehearse? Because it is just you up on that stage for just over an hour, 60 minutes, just like obviously monologuing. And it was I was in awe the whole time of like, I know it's your job as an actress and I totally get that, but I was just wondering like, yeah, what went into it and um how long did it take you to get to the point where it was shown at Melbourne? Mm. Well, yeah, as I said, we did it in 2022. And I think in that rehearsal period, it was like three weeks, maybe. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jaw is open, by yeah. the way. <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. Well, she's a trained professional. Yeah. Um, I've, and also, I feel like, I, I don't know, I just have a, a good head for like, for lines but you'd be surprised like when you get the lights and the sound and you know the the blocking of the show like there's a lot of things that kind of tip me off to mm. where we are like sound is a very big one so our incredible sound designer Danny Esposito has just made this like 
underscore under the whole show that like if I'm ever I've got now I am like it's in my bones like there's no there's no forgetting nothing now I could just like do it uh, very not easily but like I don't have to think about what I'm doing necessarily Mm. I can just like focus on on the acting but um but yeah that was a really godsend to be able to know like oh I've got kind of this happening and I'm in this section and then like the banging on the door kind of acts as like a nice punctuation Mm. for a lot of the moment so then it's like I have time to kind of breathe and shift into the next monologue yeah like when I was learning it I think I kind of broke it down into like 12 different monologues and so if you do it in digestible chunks Mm. it's like I don't know you'd be surprised you would be surprised but um yeah when I when I when we brought it back to do it in um in Mianjin in November uh we I had like a week I think to like re-rehearse the show um but but I again surprised myself like I was doing it in my backyard just like like speaking to myself in my backyard um and being like oh I I know this I know this like it's all coming back to me now um so yeah yeah I don't know there's like little tips and tricks um that I feel like I've picked up along the way that Mm. definitely helped yeah and to backtrack a little bit I found it quite surprising when you were mentioning just before that um, apart from this show you don't typically get to work with many other trans and gender diverse people like in theatre and if we're looking at pop culture you know the theatre kid is like the trope is very much associated with being queer so I kind of wanted to know like Mm. what's your experience been then being a trans woman in these spaces yeah I mean I can't say that I I never get to work with trans people like they're definitely around um but I I think like often my my also my experiences outside of drama school I guess in my I'm only like a year and a bit out um have mostly been like tv work um and so in that industry it's it's very rare that I'll have another trans person on set or even in a kind of at any level and so but when you know when you do find your little your little queerdos who are hanging around we definitely stick together um and and I've been so lucky that uh like even though I haven't had the opportunity like overflow to work with like an entirely kind of trans creative team um that like the experiences that I've had have allowed me to kind of um, bring a lot of my own life and authenticity and work and stuff to the characters that I've played and and each of the productions that I've been part of. I've been very open to kind of talking about it and me like um, uh, making it uh, making it more authentic to, to the trans experience. I guess because you know if you're writing a trans character as a cis person as this man as this white man it's like I mean how how uh close are you really gonna get um so I think that is often like the the unpaid labor that people in minorities do of like having to not only be the actor but also be the educator and be the advocate and be like okay when things go wrong and stuff because you know no one's trying to be the diva or whatever um but I've been I've been very lucky in that like I've been able to surround myself with artists who want to tell trans stories and want to do want to tell them and give them justice really um but yeah it's definitely uh 
you know, a nice little moment when you find another trans person on a set or in a crew or on a, on a production. Um, and you just know that someone else has got your back really. There is actually a line in the show that does speak to that fact that trans people are forced into activism every day just by leaving the house. As someone who is involved in activism, how do you grapple with it? Yeah, I think so. I think the line you're referring to is um, Dino, my director, does like a kind of acknowledgement before the show. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and which that was kind of a choice that me and them like worked on together in the original staging as well, because it was really important to me, along with like an acknowledgement of country and acknowledgement of the land that we're on, um, to acknowledge that this work doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, and like, we wouldn't be here without the work of other trans people who have literally laid down their lives so that we can tell these stories. Um, and yeah, I think like, even cause I, so I like began my transition when I was like 16, 15, 16, I don't, I don't even remember that, but even like being a very young person, I immediately, I think it makes you grow up quite a bit faster because um, you you know um, walk around the world with just like a heightened sense of self um, and awareness um, and I think like yeah while it wasn't uh, ever really a choice of mine to be advocating for things like um, in 2020 I uh, started a campaign I guess led a campaign um, against the McIver's bars because they released like a trans exclusive um, policy on their website, which was never in place before that. And to my knowledge, they had never had a problem. But anyway, um, and that was just something that I, it started very organically. Like I just posted about it on my Instagram stories and then didn't stop posting about it. And then I had a, had a lot of really great support of people understanding just how backwards it was um, and then got a lot of help from um, some friends of mine who were more engaged, I guess, in like organizing protests and um, uh, like political action like that because I had never done anything like that before. Um, and yeah, I managed to, managed to reverse the policy and got some good media coverage and stuff and it was just like a moment of, I guess, uh, like awareness that was made in, in 2020 that wasn't necessarily there before. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be advocating for trans rights. I, till the day I die, like I, I lay my life down for trans women. That is what I, that's what I'm here to do. Um, and so it's, it at times can be exhausting, um, and can be draining to have to constantly, mm -hmm. um, be seen at times as like a, a figurehead especially of this show um but like in, in any interview that I do it's it's always a point of topic and that's fine like that's that's the, the work that I've chosen to make but you know like we had an experience um on closing night of the shows in Nam. I I was actually still in the dressing room getting dry because in the show I get <laughs> extremely wet so it often takes me a long time to get out of the dressing room um, but this, um, young person, I think they were 11 years old, a young trans femme person, uh, came up to my director, Dino and thanked them for the show and said that them and their family had flown up from Tasmania to wow. see the show and were so moved and life changed and just wanted to thank us and the team and uh, with like tears in their mm. eyes. 
And it was just like a, a really hectic reminder of like exactly why we do it and exactly why we put up with the shit we put up with. Mm. Um, and we've been pretty lucky on this production. Um, but like, you know, have had, had the odd like threatening DM and in 2020, there was like an Instagram page that was made that was like Janet Anderson. First she came for the women's bars and now she's coming to <laughs> women's bathrooms. Like what will she take next? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm the villain. Okay. I'm the villain. Um, so that that was crazy but um but yeah it's just like a just such a gorgeous reminder of like it all pays off like doing this show it does change lives and like Mm. I've had so many beautiful experiences with particularly trans women um after the show who have been nice enough to come up and talk to me um and I'm always willing to give them the time of day um and just like share exactly how they how the work made them feel and how I feel about the work and and like just the power of seeing us on stage yeah uh, like is never ever lost on me um so yeah even though at times it's like deflating to just mm-hmm. have to constantly be advocating for myself it's like you know it doesn't go nowhere yeah. yeah, I really loved hearing about that. Um, and yeah, you also wrote it in the open letter about the show. Like, yeah, uh, most nights or almost every single night you'll have a trans woman or a trans femme person waiting outside to talk to you. I know, I mean, it was so beautiful what you said that you will always hold a space for it, but does this ever get like taxing on your soul to always have your like gender <laughs> identity at the forefront of everything and having to lead like th- with this well I guess that's uh, that's like a much bigger topic of like as a trans person and um like I guess in in the trans community there's there's kind of a there's a term like passing or possibility or whatever like whether or not you can walk through the world and be perceived as a cis person um and in some spaces I can pass and in some spaces I don't pass because I'm also six foot four um and have like quite a little voice and I, I don't apologize for any of those things um and so I I think that like I'm walking to the shops as a trans person I'm walking I'm on the bus as a trans person like it's not something that is ever not on my mind um I think the only time when uh, I really do get to feel relaxed and I get to, I guess, let that part of myself go is when I'm surrounded by trans people and I'm when I'm with community. And it's in those moments, even though that that is the reason that we're all connected and that's the reason that we're all in whatever space we're in, those are the moments that are the most freeing because I'm not having to constantly play that weird guessing game of like, oh, has that person just like clocked me? Do I, am I unsafe in this moment? Who knows? Uh, I will find out. Um, And so like, yeah, I guess when I get to share, when these people who come to see the show, when they get to share with me and I get to do that, I don't know, it's like, that is kind of the most calming of of moments, um, I guess, in a weird, in a weird way. Um, And especially, yeah, when I'm in the rehearsal room with my, with my crew um, and director and everything, and we can kind of just exist and not worry about a lot of the bullshit because we know we're all coming from the same place. And while all of our trans experiences and journeys are like very different, um, like we we just can all like talk about other shit. I think there's a there's a line in a show when um, Rosie is talking about her best friend Z, 
and she kind of talks about like what is the line oh god I've done this show so many times and now I'm forgetting it like how gender's the least interesting thing about yeah 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 two trans girls who started their transition at yeah. the same time who talk about everything yeah. other than the fact they are trans yeah um and that is like so real like that I cannot enough like talk about how like when I'm with my trans sisters and stuff yes we talk about like I don't know trans things like we talk about like from queen things but like we're not just waffling on about like all that like I don't Mm. know we just exist together um and I think often often with like cis people or cis het people that is like the first thing that they are asking me about or that is kind of seen as like I don't know the most interesting thing about me um and in some ways it is but in some ways like I don't know I got other shit going on girl Mm. (laughs) yeah and on that point there is a big line a th- big through line in Overflow about a cis friend's performative allyship. Um, can you talk about your experience with people like this in your own life? Did you draw on any experiences you've had for this character? Yeah, I think, like, we were actually talking about this the other night at, in, um, in my little Ebon Bully. Um, <laughs> but it was a really the there's a monologue at the end where Rosie is like almost entirely defeated and the bathroom is a mess and this banging has been nonstop for like an hour and she just sits on a bin and talks about her best friend who she's known since she was little but like the more that I think the more that Rosie chooses to live how she wants to live as a trans woman the further apart they grow um And she talks about how, like, this friend Charlotte surrounds herself with people who aren't safe for Rosie to be around. Um, And so I definitely have had experiences, um, not not to get specific, but, like, have had experiences where, like, female friends who I'm besties with will be, like, going out with a guy who I just don't feel safe around. Or, like, they won't understand that, like, I don't want to go to X party because like it's full of cis men and like cis men can often be a death sentence for trans women. Like Mm. we have seen that time and time again, and I do not underestimate their power. Um, So I think like there's, there's just sometimes every now and again when I like encounter or I'm like, interacting with my cis friends there's just like a there's a lost um level of understanding of like why certain things are the way they are or like why things are a big deal for me but they may not be the big deal for them um and I think that just comes with like knowing each other on that really deep level um and understanding someone in in their queerness um and like yeah, I guess the whole getting the whole picture, uh, rather than just the kind of like friendship when you're in school together and you're in this forced forced proximity. So then you're just best friends. But then when you you know when if you transition, then often that can be kind of a sticking point. But I've been very lucky in that like my the high school that I went to, but also like the friendship group I was part of, we're all just like incredibly like great people who it was never a point of contention or anything like that um but yeah I've definitely had my fair share of like 
dummies who just do not get it, you know, and will never get it. Um, and like, I guess just can't see the forest for the trees in terms of like thinking, thinking that they're on the right side of history or whatever, or doing the right thing, but like, um, we'll never, we'll never be able to understand what trans women go through like every day. Mm, Totally. (laughs) It's about like finding that line, right. Between speaking up your trans friend and knowing when it's not your time to talk about those things and like yeah literally giving the stage to other people even if you have the best intentions and just having empathy and things like that would you would you agree yeah yeah definitely um I and I think like the beauty of overflow is that like it is this one trans woman on stage for an hour just talking like um and there's there's I don't know, she just gets to cover so much ground um, and and the audience kind of has no choice. I mean, they've booked a ticket so they do have a choice, <laughs> but, like, they, but they have like, they're just strapped in, into her world, you know, and by the end she just ends the show as like this phoenix of defiance mm. um, and she leaves, this spoiler alert again, she like leaves the bathroom with like her makeup everywhere and she's all wet she ties her hair up and she kind of returns to the beginning of the play and like relives the the first monologue but with a totally new sense of understanding of like why she is unstoppable and like the power that she has um and you know you don't know what happens on the other side of the door but I think like watching her leave with so much like fuck you energy mm. I don't know if I can swear but you fuck can. you energy okay good good oh I've been holding back um, <laughs> um I think it's just like so delicious and almost every person every like trans woman that I meet after the show that is like one of their favorite moments you know yeah. um so powerful yeah yeah so good. I have to say though, um, when you've got like the hair pushed back with the water, you do you were giving me Taylor Swift reputation energy. <laughs> um, like fully, fully. I was like trying not to turn to jazz and like tell her halfway through the show, but <laughs> that was hundred percent what it was giving. <laughs> Taylor Swift reputation. Okay, okay, cute. I'm like I I can't say that I've ever really engaged with Miss Taylor's work, but so fair. Um, I I um but yeah I would like to think that she's giving maybe like what's that bond girl who like comes out of the water and and is in like the bikini with a little yeah like oh Mm -hmm. like Halle Berry Halle Berry and Bond that's that's more the the (laughs) yeah the the look that I was going like femme fatale yes yeah yeah um and yeah she's just like by that point in the play so much has happened um that that it's like a really nice moment of stillness that I get to Mm. have where it's like just really before I get to crush that last little moment Mm. you know yeah completely um with all this in mind where do you hope that trans representation on screen and on stage will be in the next you know five ten years um well I mean it's kind of the simplest answer but I'm like more is more you know Mm. the more representation we have the less that like some clumsy representations will stick out and the fact that like we 
if we get to tell, you know, more diverse stories, like trans women of color get to tell their stories or trans people with disabilities, or, you know, if we have more variety, then more people get to see themselves on screen and can think that they can do the thing, you know, like when I was um, in high school and kind of thinking about what I wanted to do afterwards, and when I transitioned, I really did not think that it was a reality for me to be like an actress in this country, let alone like in, I don't know, international industry. Um, because the only work that I really knew of, of like a trans actress was like Laverne Cox and Orange is New Black, which changed my life. Um, but then like, what was before that? Like Dallas Buyers Club with Jared Leto, mm-hmm. <laughs> please. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, the the facts weren't facting like i i didn't actually see the work being made that would that would sustain a career um so i think like it's yeah the most obvious answer is just more um and i would love something that i would love i think is like for trans people to be able to get into every aspect of theater making filmmaking you know mm-hmm. like not just not just the representation on screen, but like where are the trans writers and writers rooms telling trans stories? Like what about trans directors, trans camera ops, you know, like trans lighting designers. Like I, I think people underestimate the power that like your identity has on your work. Mm. Um, no matter what it is. Like I, I actually think like for instance with like the the lighting and overflow like our lighting designer ben brockman like their their gender identity does actually like infiltrate their work because that's who they are and that's how that's like the way that they walk through the world um and like you know you could go into like the details about like how it does and whatever but like the fact is that it does um and it's the same for people of all different minorities or like like everywhere on the diversity spectrum um and so I think if we're able to kind of like to expand into lots of different industries and lots of different parts of the the you know creative industry that's when we'll start to see like really really interesting stuff um because then it's kind of like a top-down thing you know um and I would love to be able to make my own work and employ other trans people um, and yeah, to be able to kind of like have some ownership over the stories we tell rather than having to, not having to, getting to, um, but, you know, tell, play trans characters that are not necessarily informed by trans people. Mm. Well, we cannot wait to see that in the future. We will be there, mm-hmm. ready. <laughs> um, are you able to share what else you're working on at the moment with our audience? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, at the moment, am shooting uh, Last King of the Cross season two. So I was in season one last year. I actually was shooting season one when I was doing Overflow the first time as well. So it's a bit of deja vu because I'm doing all of them wow. again, which is weird. Um, but that's really exciting. So season two kind of moves to Oxford Street and tells more of the kind of like Sydney queer nightlife story. So my character Simone um, has like kind of more to do, which is really fun. Um, and then I'm also working on uh, a series called Plum for the ABC that's uh, written by Brendan Cowles based on a book that he wrote. Um, and it's about uh, like an ex-rugby player um, dealing with CTE, which is kind of like the, the, the early onset dementia that you get from concussions. 
Um, I don't know if that's a spoiler. I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> but, um, and my character kind of uh, is this woman who runs like a, a queer bar on very underground in like the Shire. Um, so it's fiction. Um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it's been really fun working on both those projects. I will say I have been working on them simultaneously as doing this show. So it has been a very busy January, yeah. but uh, touch wood. I like being busy. I like staying employed. Thank you, universe. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's really, really fun. And I'm, I'm lucky that each of those uh, characters are trans women in very different kind of stages of their life or representations or whatever. So, um, so yeah, like I, I get to tell three different trans stories all at the same time. Um, and so I'm really excited for people to see them. Plus the costumes that they're giving me, I look so hot. I'm so excited. I just want that footage, girl. I just want, just want to just, like, <laughs> caption myself, you know. Yeah, it's like, when can I post the photos? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, I know the show is going to be bomb and, like, like the acting is going to be supreme, but she does look good, girls. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> and to end with, every week on our podcast, we share a recommendation of something we've either enjoyed reading, watching, or listening to recently. We're putting you on the spot, but is there a recommendation you want to share with our listeners? Yes. I would say I found this book. It's literally right next to me. This is going to be crazy. This book. It's called The Whipping Girl, and it's by Julia Serrano. Um, and it is a transsexual woman on sexism and the scapegoating of femininity is like the little mm. tagline. Um, but I found this book last year. I literally picked it up at Sock Draw Heroes, which is like, a, I think, a, a Gadigal-based organization that does like gender-affirming clothing and care and stuff, but lots of stuff. Uh, anyway, good to support them. They uh, had like a little bookshop and I just picked it up. And when I tell you that this book has like absolutely revolutionized me because it just like goes into the intersections of trans women, like it talks about trans misogyny really. So like the intersections of like misogyny and transphobia and how like trans women represent the biggest threat to the patriarchy because mm. we, as she kind of um, offers, we were given the gift of mm. like manhood or whatever you want to call it. And we didn't want it. Like mm. I said, no, 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 that's actually not me. I don't want that power that you have decided mm. is powerful. I find power in my femininity and I find power in my sisterhood. Um, and that is why, I mean, part of the reason why, like, we face so much vitriol. Um, and, yeah, this book is just, like, a biblical fucking text when it comes to for trans women. So any of my tea girls out there, pick it up. It's it's dense. I won't lie. It's a bit of a textbook. Um, but there are so many passages in it that I have, like, underlined and circled. And, um, yeah, I just pour myself into this book. I bring it up all the time. My, my director is going to laugh because I talk about it all the time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it really has changed my life. This book, it's it's amazing. Amazing. I don't think we've had ever had such a strong recommendation. I'm like already looking out where to buy it. So, thank you so yes. much. Oh, I've got all the recommendations. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Janet. It's been so lovely chatting with you. It's been so lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I love, love, love talking about overflow. Like I. It really is a privilege to do this show and to bring it to NAM audiences, to Mianjin audiences everywhere. Um, and be, to be able to share it with more trans people is like the goal. Um, so yeah, I'm always happy to get on about it. I love it. Mm, 
amazing. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for being on today's episode. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.